Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is the 26th of uh, November in the year 2006, and we are in the Tilnium Temple, New Hamlet, during our winter retreat. The word meditation uh, is used in order to translate uh, uh, dhyana. Dhyana is um, a um, Sanskrit word. And in Vietnamese, uh, we use the word thiền. In Vietnamese, Thien means meditation, with an accent. And uh, there is a tradition of meditation, the school of meditation, and we call it Thien Tong. Tong is uh, a tradition, a school, Thien Tong. Uh, and we know that uh, the the Sanskrit term is uh, dhyana, and the Vietnamese pronunciation of uh, dhyana is thiền. In Japanese, uh, zen, and in uh, Korea, a Korean, uh, san. But uh, all come from the word dhyana, thiền. And we have uh, the word meditation in English, in French. In meditation, we have uh, stillness, which is a very pleasant thing. In meditation, we have uh, relaxation, which is also very nice. La détente. In meditation, we have uh, we have uh, mindfulness. meditation you have uh, concentration in meditation we have uh, insight in meditation we have uh, joy and happiness.
and in the practice of meditation, uh, these uh, elements, these virtues, uh, can be cultivated. For beginners, it is possible already to experience some joy and happiness right in the beginning. Because uh, of an element that is called a living behind. And that is why living behind is also an element of meditation. If you are able to leave it behind you, just the act of leaving behind something can bring you, can already bring you some joy and some happiness. And uh, in Plum Ridge, we use uh, the um, example of some someone living a big in a big city like uh, Paris like uh, Los Angeles uh, full of noises and um, dust and uh, they are tired of it so on uh, Saturday or Friday they would like to to get out of the city, to go to the countryside. It might take one hour to get out of the city. But um, when you begin to see the hills rolling, the trees, when you begin to breathe in the fresh air, you feel that kind of joy and happiness because you have been able to leave behind Paris you have been able to leave behind Los Angeles. So the first act of meditation is to leave behind something. The world of craving, the world of dispute in order to be alone, to be in a community of practitioners. And the fact that you have abandoned the city and come to Plum Village, that alone is already meditation. That is an act of living behind. And uh, in the Buddhist um, language, we call it um, joy and happiness born from living behind. Li Shin Hila. This, uh, this character means uh, living behind. Listen, born from living behind. He, joy, lack happiness. Joy, happiness, born from living behind. Sometimes you are not capable of living behind by yourself. You need a friend. You, not, you need a telephone call. You need an invitation. And there you are. You have an opportunity to leave it behind. And you begin to experience joy and happiness. <clears throat> but be aware that you will not be able to keep that joy and happiness for a long time. Because uh, a few weeks later, you will want to go back to Paris, to Los Angeles. And you know already this. You suffer, you want to live. And you are very happy in the first uh, few days uh, in the countryside. 
but you do not have that capacity of nourishing and keeping the joy and the happiness for a long time. And you long, you long to go back. And you believe that uh, your home is there. Home, sweet home, I have to go there. So when you go back to Paris, those Los Angeles, you also feel joy and happiness because you, uh, you are back in your home in order to suffer a little uh, later on. So you go back and forth, back and forth like that. And in our modern society, uh, everyone, every family has uh, a second, second home, uh, residence along there, in order to flee the situation for some time, and then go back. I have seen young men, young women who, who felt, who feel wonderful living in the, in a practicing community. So they wanted to be ordained as monks and nuns. They believe that, uh, that the experience of joy and happiness that they, they have had will last for a long time. So are they determined to be ordained? and to live all their life in this atmosphere, uh, in, in this situation of uh, joy and happiness. But they don't know that after some time, they will have enough of it, of that joy and happiness, and they would want to return there in the world of dust. And uh, usually it is uh, two years or three years. So the monastics who are happy in their second year or third year, but they have to be aware of that. Because uh, joy and happiness uh, is impermanent. They are impermanent. And they should be nourished in order to stay longer. And if you don't know the art of nourishing your joy and happiness, they will die. And that is why it's very dangerous to become a monk or a nun, because after having um, um, experienced joy and happiness for a number of years, you begin to have enough of it, and you want to try something else. And what, what is that? That's something else. You have lost your capacity of enjoying uh, the joy and happiness that, that are available. Because the joy and happiness Although uh, they can be nourishing and healing, but they are not deep enough to transform the deep uh, 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 suffering that lies down there in the bottom of your consciousness. On the surface of the ocean, There is stillness. But underneath, there are hitting waves. And your practice has not been able to reach down to the block of suffering that has been handed down to you by your ancestors, by your parents. So that thin layer of stillness, you can enjoy only for a period of time. And from time to time, 
the block of suffering underneath will emerge. And that is why to, to cling to that kind of joy and, hap- and happiness is not enough. After a few years, you begin to have problems. And you don't know what is your real problem. You don't know your, your real suffering. Your suffering may be the suffering of your father handed down to you. That is the heritage. Your suffering may be the suffering of your mother handed down to you. Your mother wasn't able to transform that, so she transmitted her own suffering to you. And with the, the superficial, superficial uh, practice, you can only get the kind of stillness, the kind of joy and happiness that are superficial. And that does not, is not strong enough, is not effective enough in order to transform the big suffering down there in the bottom of your consciousness. And because you don't know, you don't know what is the nature of your suffering. Your consciousness is not able to shine and to recognize the suffering uh, that is hidden in the depth of your uh, unconscious. That is why you blame this and you blame that for your suffering. Uh, And there are issues that you think that that you consider to be uh, the cause of your unhappiness. Like uh, this community um, is not is not um, good enough. This community is too Vietnamese. <coughs> this community does not um, practice. Uh, um, There's no practice uh, um, uh, respecting uh, the ecology enough. Uh, this community is still uh, discriminating against the lay, uh, uh, gays and lesbian, etc. There's many issues like that, social issues. And since you don't know what is your real suffering, you have the tendency to blame on things like that that you consider to be the cause of your unhappiness. Of course, um, in meditation, with some stillness, with some relaxation, with the capacity of living behind the complicated uh, world, you have been able to experience some joy and happiness. But that joy and happiness are still very superficial. It can nourish you for some time, but after that, you lose them because you don't know how to go deeper. And you begin to blame 
on on a, uh, on on outside on your ha- ha- happiness you are not uh, free yet you have not been able to recognize your sufferings and transform it yet and that is why we have uh, to go home to ourselves in order to try to recognize our suffering and to embrace it. And if uh, needed, we have to to suffer some. There is a vegetable called uh, bitter melon. This is not bitter, this is very sweet. Bitter melon. Mm. The Chinese word is khổ khoa. Khổ khoa, khổ means bitter. And khổ also means suffering. What is bitter is suffering. So they call it by the two names. It's bitter, and if you are not used to eating that, you suffer. Today is the anniversary of uh, Master um, um, Nick I don't know whether the sister will offer us hokwa uh, soup, bitter melon soup. But uh, in uh, in uh, Chinese medicine, we believe that uh, that bitterness, bitterness uh, is uh, is good for you, uh, for your health. Although it is bad, the bitter, but uh, if you you eat it and then uh, you feel fresh, you feel uh, cool. And uh, that is why um, some Chinese would like to change the name Kho uh, Kwa Vitamilan into Luang Kwa means um, uh, fresh, refreshing melon, refreshing melon. Kho Kwa Luang Kwa. Although it is refreshing, it's still bitter. And those of us who use, who, who are capable of, uh, of eating the bitter melon, we enjoy it. And we find that uh, it is good because of, uh, of the taste of bitterness in it. It's bitter, but it is delicious. It is bitter, but it is doing us good. Our tendency is to run away, trying to run away from suffering. All of us have the natural tendency of running away from suffering. And we don't know what, uh, what they call uh, the goodness of suffering the healing nature of suffering. Our store consciousness the kind of consciousness that uh, neuroscientists like to call background consciousness has the tendency to run away from suffering. Our store consciousness has the capacity of uh, uh, processing uh, information and learning and setting up uh, a program of behaviors that help us uh, to run away from suffering and to approach only what is uh, 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 pleasant. 
So we need our mind consciousness in order to learn something else. Mind consciousness is capable of seeing that suffering can teach us a lot. We should not be afraid of suffering. We have to learn to embrace the suffering. And we can learn a lot from suffering. Suffering can heal us. And with that in mind, we are no longer afraid of suffering. We allow suffering to be there in order for us to learn and to grow. Many of us practice sitting meditation in order to run away from suffering. Because uh, sitting meditation provides us with some stillness from relaxation. It helps us to leave behind Mm, the world of misery, of dispute, in order for us to experience some joy and some happiness. And meditation for us is only, only that. We sit in order to suffer less. We behave like a hare. Um, Rabbit. We behave like a rabbit. Uh, going back to the hole in in other, uh, in in the earth, in order to feel protected, and we sit like that, like a rabbit in our hole, for not to be disturbed. We want to leave the world behind. We want to sit in. And uh, our sitting place is the rabbit hole. Many of us practice meditation like that. We We don't blame these people. They suffer so much. They deserve some kind of rest, some kind of running away. But that is not the purpose, the true purpose of meditation. Uh, we practitioners of Plum Village, we belong to a kind of, to a tradition, to a, to a school of meditation called uh, Linji, Lamte. And Master Linji shouted at us and said that, don't sit like that. That's not Buddhist. Don't sit like a rabbit in a, in, in a hole. That is uh, only to try to avoid suffering. You have to use your intelligence, your concentration, in order to get the insight, in order to transform the suffering within you and become a Buddha, become an enlightened one, become a free person, sitting is for that, not just for avoiding suffering. In Buddhism, we have uh, the notion of uh, the three worlds, the world of uh, desire, craving, the world of form, and the world of non-form, yuk yoi, sak yoi, avo sak yoi. 
And if you have uh, the capacity of living behind your craving, your desire, you practice uh, listening he lack, living behind the world of desire in order to get joy and happiness. And that is the first step of, of the practice. And in you, uh, the mental uh, discourse is still going on. Although you have left uh, the realm of desire, but the mental discourse still goes on. And that is why you practice stillness in order to stop the mental discourse. The mental discourse is made of two elements. Uh, Vitaka. Tam. And vichara. Tu. Vitaka is an initial uh, thought, and vichara is um, reflect, uh, re- reflective uh, thinking. And that is the, the content of our mental discourse. We cannot stop thinking. And there is a cassette, cassette tape that is uh, always uh, running in our head. And that is uh, the noise, uh, the noise uh, uh, caused by, by the mental discourse always going on. And in order to stop, to stop that mental discourse, uh, we are taught to recognize our in-breath, our breath, in order to stop our thinking. Just dwell on your in-breath, your out-breath. Enjoy your in-breath, enjoy your out-breath, and you are able to stop the mental discourse. And that is stillness. So you might sit there and enjoy your in-breath and out-breath. Enjoy your stillness, the non-presence of mental discourse. Enjoy some joy, enjoy some happiness. But that is not enough. If you only practice that, three years later you leave the community as a monk, as a nun or as a lay practitioner. And then when you have left your community, you go back to the world, and once again, you see how much suffering there is in the world. And after having spent three months, a year in that world, you want to go back to the community again. But uh, if you have broken your precept, you cannot become a monastic again. You have to begin from the beginning again. Even if you have received full ordination and you have broken your precept, you cannot go home as a big brother or big sister. You have to apply for aspirantship again. And maybe you'll be happy as a monk or as a nun three years, three more years, and after that you'll leave. And that continues. If you continue to practice like that, joy and happiness born of stillness, born, of, uh, born from living behind, and so on. 
So this is the bell of mindfulness. You have to go deeper. And when you are not happy as a monk or as a nun or as a practitioner, you blame on other things. You said that you are, if you are not perfectly happy, then because of uh, the conditions outside of you, around you, and not because of you. Mm. And this is a, a problem for all practicing communities. But if you know what is the problem, you'll be able to build your community in such a way that everyone should uh, see the practice, should realize that if uh, they are not happy, it's because they don't know how to uh, preserve their happiness. They don't know how to go deeper in order to transform the pain, the anxiety, the deep suffering that is still there in the depth of your consciousness. And that suffering may may be the suffering that you endure during the period of being a child. You may be you may be you may be may have been abused as a child. Or that suffering may be the suffering of your father or your mother who was mistreated, mistreated uh, when they were a child, and now it becomes yours. And even if you have a very vague feeling of your suffering, uh, you have to practice in order to, to get in touch with it, uh, to use your insight in order to recognize it. And if you need to suffer, and then you say, I will suffer. Because I know that suffering like this, I will learn. And it will do me good. It's like eating bitter melon. You are not afraid. You know that uh, the bitter melon is helping you. So when suffering is uh, emerging, adapt another attitude. Don't try to run away from it. This is Thay's recommendation. Stay where you are and welcome it. Whether, whether it is your anger, your frustration, or your longing for something but not satisfied, even if that block of suffering has no name, you cannot name it. It's vague, but it is suffering anyway. Ready to say hello to it and ready to embrace it tenderly and live with it. And you will learn what Thay has learned. That once you have accepted the suffering and ready to, to suffer, it does not bother you anymore. You feel that you are capable of living that suffering. That suffering is doing you good. And it is like a bitter melon. It is healing you. So allow the suffering to be in you. Accept it. And be ready to suffer a little bit in order to learn. If you, don't, you do not accept it, if you, if you do not accept your suffering, if you do not embrace your suffering tenderly, you would not know what it is. And you don't know that, uh, that suffering can instruct us, can bring joy and happiness to us. And without suffering, without the understanding of suffering, true happiness will be impossible.
by your brothers and your sisters or your parents parents. Suppose you are misunderstood by your own teacher and you suffer. And you say that well I cannot stop this suffering unless they begin to understand me. I'm a victim of injustice. I'm not like that, but they think of me like that, so I suffer. And my attitude is uh, trying to run away from that suffering with the hope that people will stop thinking about me like that. During the Vietnam War, millions of people believed that Thay was a communist. And uh, other people believed that Thay was an agent of the CIA. And if you you were in, in that position, you might suffer a lot. You might feel that you are a victim of uh, misunderstanding, of injustice. And you think that your suffering will end only when people stop thinking of you as a communist or, or of an agent of the CIA. CIA. But you can do like this. You accept the situation. Yes, there are millions of people who believe that uh, you are a communist. There are other million of peoples who believe that uh, you are a supporter of the CIA. But that is uh, the way they see things. But I am neither a communist nor an agent of the CIA. So there is no reason why I have to suffer. And uh, only by living my life only by my action or my speech uh, that uh, I can prove to myself that I have a good cause, the cause of peace and reconciliation. And that kind of happen, that kind of suffering does not bother you anymore. Because um, suffering is made of uh, misunderstanding, of uh, anger, of hate, of ignorance. And if uh, if you count on others to uh, dissipate these kind of uh, uh, causes for you, uh, you might have to wait for a long time. You have to go deeper and make use of your concentration. Make use of insight in order to see that people uh, suffer around you, suffer because of their way of thinking, their way of acting, their way of speaking. And, uh, and if you suffer like them, uh, you will not be able to help them. So you have to, to work out, to work it out, to transform your suffering to bring about your insight, your compassion, in order to help them later on. So with that kind of attitude, with kind of insight, you don't suffer anymore because you have now insight and compassion. And that insight and compassion 
you can obtain it only by and with the practice. During his uh, time, the Buddha also encountered um, that kind of difficulties, that kind of injustice. Um, one time they, they killed uh, a dancer and uh, they buried uh, her body in the ground of uh, the monastery. And they told the police. The police came and discovered that body that was buried in the ground of the monastery. And now, and uh, they begin to spread the word out that the Buddha and the monks uh, have uh, committed the crime. After having uh, had sexual relationship with that dancer, they kill her and they bury her on the ground of uh, the monastery. So when in the morning the monks put on the sangati and hold their, uh, their bowl going to the town, they will look upon with uh, the kind of uh, look that's very difficult to bear, and full of suspicion, full of uh, contempt. And that lasted many, many, many days. And the monks uh, came back to the Buddha and said, Dear teacher, we cannot do it anymore. Every time we go to the town, people look at us with that kind of uh, eyes. We suffer very much. The Buddha said, the essential is that you have not done it. You have not done what people uh, condemn you uh, to uh, to have done it. And you know very well that you have kept your precept. You did not do it. So uh, this is our practice. One day, uh, by by the way, by your way of life, your practice, uh, misunderstanding will vanish, and uh, things like that uh, do happen in the world. And if uh, you have understanding and compassion, you don't have to suffer. Because uh, there are groups of uh, people uh, who are jealous with us and who try to create uh, circumstances like that in order to, uh, to smear uh, our prestige. And, uh, and uh, these people uh, must have suffered a lot because of their jealousy in order to do such a thing uh, to us. So we have to deal with it with compassion. And with your practice, someday you might help them to wake up and to see that that kind of uh, practice is not worth uh, for people, to people, or worth of people who have taken a spiritual path. And with that, uh, the big shoes, uh, the monks, uh, did not suffer anymore. A few weeks later, the lay person, Anatta Pinika, who was a supporter of the Buddha, he hired private detectives, (laughs) and uh, they discovered the groups that had, had, had done it. But uh, the community of the Buddha had to suffer um, almost a month because of that kind of of thing. So if you suffer a little bit, or you suffer a lot, uh, if you don't suffer anything at all, uh, that depends on you, whether you have insight, whether you have compassion or not. Depends entirely on you. So, if you need to suffer some, and then allow yourself to suffer, embrace your suffering tenderly, 
suffer it with your, your heart and then look deeply in order to 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 use your concentration, your insight. So that you can uh, bring about uh, compassion, understanding. And you will not hate the people who try to make you suffer, but you vow to practice, to live in such a way that you'll be able to help them uh, later on. If your suffering is something that has been transmitted to you by your father and your mother, you don't blame your father and your mother. You say that they have not had a chance to encounter the Dharma, the practice. That is why this uh, is going on in me, in you. And if you know how to practice, uh, you help your father in you, you help your mother in you. Uh, You are ready to suffer for him, you suffer for her. But to suffer like that uh, is not something negative. You suffer in order to to, to, to find a way out. Allow yourself to suffer a little bit. Don't try to run away from suffering. This is a wonderful practice. Many children um, begin to hate bitter melon, but when they grow up, they love to eat bitter melon soup. The most difficult uh, case is that suffering is there, you know, but you don't know the nature of that suffering. You cannot call it by its name. It's something vague, but it is truly existing in you. And it's difficult for you to shine the light of consciousness on that suffering, to recognize it. Because um, there is some blockage Uh, in you, some resistance, uh, the tendency not uh, to run away, not to come home to it and recognize it. Again, this is a tendency of uh, store consciousness. Every time you you are about to touch it, and you don't want to touch it, you run away. And you have practiced that for a long time. That is why you don't have you have not had a chance in order to meet it, to recognize it, to identify it. So you tell yourself, uh, you will not do like that anymore. Every time it is approaching you, don't try to run away from it. Stop, welcome it. And with uh, observation, mindfulness, you will be able to identify that kind of suffering later on. Because any block of suffering will try to to manifest. And you do not have to go back to the past in order to meet it, to recognize it. You just stay in the present moment very uh, with vigilance, with mindfulness. And they will manifest in one way or another. And when you recognize the symptoms, the manifestation of it, uh, you'll be able to identify um, its nature. 
the practice of Buddhist meditation is centered in the present moment. You don't have to go back to the past, to your childhood, in order to meet your suffering, to meet the cause of your suffering. You just stay right in the present moment, and you observe. And that suffering that has uh, the root in the past, maybe in the past lives, uh, will manifest. In fact, it manifests all day. And you can, you can identify it by, by its manifestation. In the tradition of Buddhism, we speak of uh, bodhicitta, the mind of enlightenment, the beginner's mind. The moment when you are uh, inspired by the desire to practice in order to transform your suffering in order to be able to help many people around you who suffer, that mind is a very beautiful. That mind is called the beginner's mind. And sometimes we call it the mind of love. It's because of love that you practice. You are not trying just to run away from suffering. Uh, you want more than that. You want to transform your own suffering. You want to be free in order to help other people, many other people, to transform their suffering. And as a monk, as a nun, as a bodhisattva practitioner, lay practitioner, you should maintain that uh, beginner's mind alive because that is a a powerful um, source of energy. And you'll be nourished by it. With that source of energy, you will practice the precepts well. You have enough energy in order to encounter, to, 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 encounter the difficulties, to overcome the difficulties on your life of practice. So uh, nourishing uh, the mind of love, nourishing, preserving the beginner's mind, um, nourishing the bodhicitta is a very important practice. Don't allow it uh, to die after two years or three years. Thay has had uh, the happiness of uh, of um, keeping his bodhicitta uh, uh, alive for a long time, and. Uh, it's not that on uh, his path of practice, he did not encounter many obstacles. He did encounter a lot of obstacles. But he has not given up because uh, the bodhicitta in him was always very strong, the beginner's mind. So if you are a monastic uh, uh, member, if you are a lay member of the community, you should know that uh, as long as that beginner's mind is still in you, powerful, you don't have to worry. 
even if there are a lot of um, uh, difficulties on your path, you will overcome. And the moment when you feel that uh, that uh, beginner's mind in you uh, is weak, you know that is uh, that is a big danger. Because anything can happen. If uh, your body chitta, uh, your beginner's mind is weak. So don't allow it to be like that. Cultivate your beginner's mind and stay a bodhisattva for the whole of your life. You'll be a happy person. You'll be able to make the happiness of many people.